five, four, three, two, one. I think that sound was stolen from um, something else. Steve put that in. It's pretty good. You're starting right off the bat with tidbits for the kids. There we go. <laughs> I'm John Favreau. And I'm Vince Vaughn. This is Monday Night Football. Alfred Shea. Do you remember what that's from? Yeah. That's Colin Victor. Uh, and the Colin Victor had a... They were the producers of the, of the movie. Yeah. Somebody loves you. Okay, here are snapshots that were taken by Vince around town. Chateau Marmont. John Favreau. Who's he? See the, uh, the Capitol Records building? You know that the top antenna blinks Morse code that says, I think, Hollywood? Now, are you saying that for me to hear it? Yeah. Or are you saying it like funny. you're saying it to me, but for everyone else to learn that information? Patty Van Horn. Patrick Van Horn. Who is I good met friend. through you. Alex, Alex Desair. From PCU. Right. I met through you. Cantors. Dina Martin, who we met through auditions. One of the few people who auditioned for the movie. Smog Cutter, you're into town. Catherine, Catherine Kendall. Kendall, we went through auditions. Yes. Pretty much everyone but the swingers, we went through auditions. Yes. Yeah. Brooke Langton and, and Blake. Blake was Brad Schley's uh, sister. And there's Carl from the Dresden. And there's the Marlboro ad that's no longer there because it's illegal. And Heather Graham, who I knew from earlier. There they are, the Hep Cats. There's uh, Damiana, Brad Schley uh, from Ludwig. And there's Scotty. Julianne. Still works with Doug. He's very talented. And Justin Reinhardt. That's right. Who worked on a lot of Dr. Dre albums. And Brad Halverson. Who gave me uh, diarrhea medicine on the way back from Vegas. Jen Terrell. Is that the type of facts we want, Vince? I, it's, not, it's unclear what type of facts that they want at this Steve point. Marioni. Steve Marioni. Steve Marioni. <laughs> and there's Carrie Woods, who brokered the sale and was the producer on Rudy. That's, That's right. That's I met him. He's a nice guy, but he didn't remember I was in Rudy. <laughs> when you went to his and when house. We bought, and when Swingers was sold, we came to his house, and he was like, hey, this is great. I love the movie. And went in his basement, and he had posters up. And he had a poster of Rudy up, of Rudy getting carried off the field. And he was telling me about the movie, and I was like, I pointed to myself, number 44, and I was like, that's me, man. I was in, I was in the movie. And he didn't remember. But he's a good guy. Worked with him on the Prime gig later. This is across the street from, this is where we used to eat oatmeal there, talk about making swingers a lot. We would uh, meet there all the, like probably three, four times a week we would eat there. Yep. And we would go through all the scenarios of how we could possibly get it made. Now you see what I'm doing here? Do you here? remember what we used to, well, you let, me, let me just point out that, see, I'm twirling up the corners of the, um, of the napkin there. Let's just show my angst. And if you show, see later, I'm much more relaxed. You can only do stuff to make her not want to come. So the only difference is if I uh, forget about her or just pretend to forget about her. Do you remember we used to sit around and, and we would talk about the scenarios of getting the movie made yeah. and we'd always end up with that the movie would get made? Yeah. And then do you remember um, what we used to, the metaphor you used to we use? We used to, to call it, it dropping the mops. That's right. Because we were like two housewives having a lesbian relationship. When the husbands went off to work, we would drop the mops and we, we would, would talk for it. now. We go, oh, this is just like we're dropping the mops. No one's getting hurt. Nothing's going to happen. We're just we're making each other feel good for a little while. But it doesn't mean that the movie's getting made. First. Mm, see, that's the thing. Is somehow Ron Livingston. Ronnie Ron. My first uh, friend in L.A. He moved out from Chicago within the same month that I did. He was living on a chicken ranch in Reseda at the time. 
with an Iranian went family. Went on to be in Bands and Brothers. Band of Brothers, and um, he went on to be in Office uh, Space. Office Space. Which she was, was really good at it. Was, uh, tremendous. Another cult hit. That, you know, no, but you, right. you know, it's just you've been there, man, and your advice really helps. Yeah. And I just, I don't know what it, you know, Rob, you're the only one I could talk to about her. Thanks. Sets it all up. Good, efficient writing. Efficient. Good. Nice moment. Now, I used to live here. I used to live in this apartment. Although the color of it's changed. Yes, they painted it. Hey. See the earthquake cracks? Look out for that. Yeah. The Brooklyn Dodgers hat to represent the uh, migration to the West Coast, main East Coast here. Bukowski's Hollywood. All the little details. Michael, this is Grandma. We all miss you back here in New York. You still haven't told me if you got that part on the television program. That was your last message. Doug recorded that in the farmer's market with some lady. He probably talks about it in his commentary. You have to put things in perspective. The talking answering machine. If you look at this book... That's a drawing book where I have all the swingers' drawings and all the production drawings I've done over the first year and a half. I think that some of it's on the DVD. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Life after all. Will you stop? I'm trying to make a phone call. Are you calling her? No, will you stop? I'm trying. Please. Now, this shot that's coming up. There's a young up, John Favreau for yeah, you. A young, Look at that, man. Thin John Favreau. Now, this was Doug's idea. He said, what would you do? Where should we stage this? He says, just do whatever you do. And I said, well, I would just walk around the apartment. He says, well, let's do it. So we had a light in here. This is where, this and is this our first right day shooting. Is, uh, oh, yeah. For the new Beverly Theater, where we used to go and watch. They have great double features. And so Favreau wanted to put that in there. Hoping we'd get in there. And we did eventually. And we did. Now made in Swingers is a double feature at the new Beverly. And you're going to say it sucks, and we're all going to leave, and then we're going to go look for this. This is all my real furniture. And backpacks were real popular at the, <laughs> yeah. with, with, for the backpack line. Lenny Bruce poster. Here it comes. If there's somebody else who's more important, she should be talking to. And it's like I'm supposed to be all happy because uh, she's wearing a backpack. And at the time, it was like that all oh, the ladies, the purses weren't as popular, and they got the, the backpack thing. And then sometimes they'd have a purse in a backpack. Yeah. As not to be out of date. One of those assholes. All right? It just makes me sick. It's like uh, some nasty skank who isn't half the woman my girlfriend is is going to front me. It makes me want to fucking puke. Jesus Christ, will you? Now, actually, I was out in the hall. You were on the phone. That's right. I was on the phone for real. You make me laugh here when, when I'm opening the fr fridge. That's real. Yeah. What do you mean, Vegas? Vegas, Las Vegas. We didn't want to loop this because we, we, wanted, the, we wanted the chemistry. So we, that's why it sounds a little rough. So that's why it's a little rough, but the conversation is, is actual conversation. In fact, I was right outside the apartment on a phone. He makes me laugh here. We didn't want to laugh. I'm trying. See, it made me laugh now. <laughs> and like, as a mistake, but it really works. There we go. The big, that's known as a smash cut. You know, versus seeing you make the transition on screen of deciding to go to Vegas, the story keeps moving. A flip, if you will. I'm not going to Vegas. I'm not going to Vegas. A smash comedy funny. Now, this is one of the last things we shot. Yeah, because we went to right. No, we shot this in L.A., this part. Didn't we shoot we shot stuff later. when we came back after Vegas? Oh, did we? This stuff? Yeah, I think this we shot when we came back from Vegas. We were towing the car. Oh, no. I don't remember now. See, here's the car tickets. They were parking tickets that I had in the script, and I remember we put it in. We, we worked so hard to get the tickets to stick, you can't even see it. That's my car. That was Faz's real car. And, I used, car. and I, I used to tease you that half the fun of owning a car like that was working on it. 
Because that thing would never There's run. Fucking we lemon. could never count on that thing if we had to go somewhere, babe. Now, at the time, Miramax one of those 10 minutes out of the movie. So, so in that cut, we say Vegas, Vegas, and then we cut right from there to Vegas. And we miss all this stuff. But this really established what losers we are, I think. And I think it also just establishes how it really is, and it's authentic in that you always sort of get, maybe it's 7 or 8 o'clock on a Friday, you decide, wouldn't it be great? This is a stolen shot. It's me. It looks like I'm pumping his fucking gas because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're really filling my own car with But gas. really, we were just filling the car up, and they stole that shot and put it in. But in the script, it was written this way that, as I was saying, you start off very excited, like you're psyched to be going to Vegas, and then slowly it's a longer trip than you, you guess, and, and you sort of run yeah, out of steam. It's like a four-hour trip. And there's like fast food stuff here on the dashboard. Yeah. It comes back up, which yeah, shows like we've stopped and eaten a couple of times. The progression of music, we're listening to George Jones on the radio. Who I happen to love, but it also shows that like you're kind of out of, of there uh, it is, baby. radio stations, except for country radio. So this we shot with no permit on the streets. This with a hood mount, not being towed, highly illegal and dangerous. It's a beautiful shot. This sequence was cut together by Steve Marioni to this song, and that was one of the things that Doug had said, oh, we got to recut this thing eventually, and we just never did. It was any time we tried to change it, we could never get it better. So this was the original editor's assembly of the sequence. And this is sort of a setup of, like, in their minds what they think Vegas is going to be like, kind of rat pack, balling, cash money, the lights. A little overcranked, slightly overcranked to give it a lyrical feel. And you set the guys up kind of as cool for the comedy of the fact that they're, that's how they see themselves and, and here here's go. their reality. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Big Hawaiian following at this place. This was an all-Hawaiian place, and what was strange is the clientele were all from Hawaii. You would think that if you were leaving Hawaii to get away <laughs> somewhere, that you'd want to go to a place that had a different vibe to it, <laughs> but true. actually, they loved it. The inside was the Fremont, the outside was the Stardust, to answer for the film geeks out there. Now, Doug was being pulled in a wheelchair with the camera on his shoulder. Right. Oh, that's... Was that his dad? Whose? I thought that that was somebody, a friend of ours' father, that we had realized later. No. I haven't looked at this movie in a long time. I think time. it was. I don't know if he was, but I think a friend of ours' father is in here, yeah. in the wheelchair. Look at all the beautiful honeys here. Excuse me. Excuse me, darling. Oh, here's Dina. Dina's great. Now, here's the funny story with Dina Martin is we thought she was... Dean Martin had a daughter named Dina Martin, too who was very sick at the time. He ended up actually passing away after we shot this. And I said, I'm sorry about your dad. Because the casting uh, person who was, was helping us with casting said that this was Dean Martin's daughter. Yeah. So we said, like, sorry about your dad. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so it eventually came out that it, it, her dad was not Dean Martin. And I felt kind of, like, dumb. What do you think, Mike? Do you think she's going to leave us now and go tell her pit boss on us? Will you stop making fun, all right? Now, the trick is that we got to look like we don't need this shit, and then they give us this shit for free. Right, right, right. Well, you know, I think you look great, man, and I think I'm looking like the money, like the bomb, right? This is like an eight-page day. Yeah. We were rehearsing in the uh, hallway upstairs. Notice me and you? Oh, they're going to notice me and you, because they're watching you. Nicely done, sir. You're on a streak now. That's about time. That's my dad. That's Vernon Vaughn, who really... In Plays a lot of cards in real life. Quite the gambler. Uh, start with a, a 300. There we go. The funny. Lose track of the counting. There we go. Good stuff. I can count that for you. On the table. Excuse me? You have to lay it on the table. I don't want to 
is the pit boss, real pit boss. Yep. Not allowed to hand me money, sir. You have to lay it on the table if you want me to. Now the whole casino was open at this time, by the way. They would give us a little area to shoot him, but we never shut it down. Actually, they would count it face down in real life. Change in three hundred. Three hundred. Good, we're good. There it is. That's all you get. Do you uh, have anything smaller? Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. But this happens to be a one hundred dollar minimum bet table. And again, you know, you set up that the guy's on a streak, he's got his ladies with him, and these guys come up and... That's my grandma. That's Big Al the Sound Man. It's Joan Favreau. Cocktails? Guy behind the guy. Have a scotch on the rocks. Please, any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, there we go. I'm going for it now. He's blending in, making it like he knows his way around. Mm -hmm. Trent likes it. Trent approves. There we go. Watch the tie. I love it. On the table. <laughs> Bouncing the chair. Walking that fine line. We should have made that a five. It's more likely that the See, deal the will bet's there. five. The bet's there already. The, the two double. The, yeah, the double bet's already there. Look, we're kibitzing like Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> Fun with continuity coming up. There it is. The chip that was already there. Now you said you don't always double on 11, Vince. Vince explains to me you don't always double against an ace. You don't double again on 11. Isn't that true? Um, I always double on 11, even against an ace. Two is a very dangerous card. Two is the most dangerous card the dealer can have. And I guess so. Maybe it is good that we made it two. Well, no, because a two, meaning a dangerous card, if he had a four, five, or six, it would be more likely that he would bust. Right. A two is less likely that he'd bust, so to sell it more if he had a five, but a two is fine. You would double against a two. You always double down on 11, baby. But that's really where you make your money in blackjack is you got to know all the times to hit and stay and when to, when to go for your doubles and your splits. That's where you get the odds more in your favors on those opportunities. See, my grandma had all this. She asked if she could bring little props, like she little good so luck funny. charms. This was her lavender pantsuit. My grandma. There we go. That's really us. And that was our dreams. And the lady on the $5 table gets it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You'll fix me up. She really worked here, this one. She really worked here. This was a tough scene. I mean, we were, oh, we were, we were such God. under the gun. We shot the movie in how many days, Fevs? Less than 30, like 25 days or something. Well, actually, there's a whole bunch of days that we shot that we couldn't use. Yeah. because bad sound and stuff. Yeah. Of reshoot type stuff. So, like, I'd say like 21 days or 23 days. And so it was like, you know, you didn't have a lot of time to fool around. It was a lot of dialogue. And this was coming towards the end of our, this was our last casino scene that we filmed, I believe. And we covered, we did close-ups, but the close-ups were this tight. So you couldn't cut into the close-ups because you can't cut from a, a big medium like this into a tight close-up. Yeah. It, it screws up the scene, so we ended up having to hang in the, in the master. And the master wasn't really staged open. I remember there was a big discussion about that. This is the real outfit of the, uh, of the waitresses here that we were able to borrow. And between takes, she would sit down. She got fired twice. 
because people thought <laughs> right. people thought that she was a, a real waitress there. That's right. She's pretty. Like she was really good in this. Listen, um, bring a single malted uh, Glengarry for me and one for my boy Mikey here. That's you trying to say what I had said before. That's right. single malt, single malted. And this fifty cent piece has your name written all over. Here we go. I want you to run along because I'll be timing you. I still have this fifty cent piece in my desk. Maybe that was money. Tell me that wasn't money. <laughs> this is sort of based on two, everything's exaggerated for comedy, but I always joke and, and would tease with, with girls, and then I would realize sometimes that fabs would get uncomfortable, worried that if I was offending anybody. So it would always make me kind of go more so because I, I would enjoy watching him <laughs> be uncomfortable. <laughs> it's true, though. There's a lot of truth in this movie. I'm tired. We should just go. Baby, this is what we came here for. Now, we met a beautiful baby, and she likes you. She likes you. Whatever. Daddy's going to get her to bring a friend. Now, I don't care if I end up with her. Her or one of her beautiful baby friends. <laughs> You'd always end up with the... I'd always end up with the fucking... <laughs> You'd be like, hey, she likes you, dude. I'm like, no, man, she wants to hang with you. Even then. And I'd be like, nah, dude. And then it was all... Vinny, God bless him, always tries to make, make it all good for his friends. But more often than not, the one that the friends want, want Vinny. And when he's trying to include everybody, ends up just pissing off all the girls and all the guys get frustrated. I don't think I know what the hell they're saying to me half the time. I don't know if they're talking about how hard it is to be adopted. <laughs> this is so rough. It's so rough. We couldn't play this in the close-up because it was too wrong. Mean. And in the script, it was just mean. People read the script, they say, who would like this character? But the thing is, I think, is a lot. there's a real innocence, and in, in I think... Uh, <laughs> you know, I always sort of felt that, like... The amount of power that you're giving to learning how to interact with women sort of makes them of high value. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like we're sweating girls so much, and it, it makes guys look like. In reality, in the movie, I mean, nothing really ever happens with the ladies. It's a lot, of, a lot of uh, planning. Yeah. So fucking money. That was like the Jedi mind shit. See, now this scene, my grandma had just arrived, and she was sitting watching us. Oh, and I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Favreau's grandmother is the sweetest woman in the, in the world and a, a devout Catholic, to say the least. And we had the language and the swearing that was written, and I was really taken by her and thought she was so beautiful that I did not want her sitting near me while I did this scene because I didn't want to be swearing and having Joan look at me while I said fucking money or whatever I was or my you know how ass. They, you know how they dress? They yeah. want it. They want it. And then so he made me, I said, what's the big deal? And then, and then he made her sit in my eye line behind him. Yeah. So I had to look at her when yeah. I was saying, oh, they're so, that was so fucking money. Because I right. shut down, I couldn't do it. Oh, so funny. Ready to order? Yeah. Uh, I'll have a coffee, too. Uh, That's you smoking before you actually smoked? I never smoked cigarettes until I was 24. This was a cigar, though. You smoking a cigar there? Yeah, right. That's right. We didn't have cigarettes. We had cigars. I would have a cigar very, very, very occasionally. It was never my thing. That's good. I like that take. How you looking there? Look, that's good. I like your reaction to when I make the joke and, yeah. you, and you look up and you're trying to come. Well, because you're trying, you, you figure, <laughs> hey, you threw quarters at people and that worked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some shit too. It's not Stephen Wright joke. But in reality, once you got over the um, newness of coming to Los Angeles and leaving back, not just your girlfriend, but your group of friends and what was safe to you, there was no one funnier or that people were more drawn to than Fabs when we were out. Sometimes we would go out being Fabs, and this is before Swingers came out, and we would improvise and <laughs> pretend to be people. 
That lox plate was going to my grandmother, by the way, and that's part of the outtake stuff. She's eating it up. This was actually shot at the Three Clubs. Yes. Which is a bar here in Los Angeles. And, and we this was front, one of yeah. my best friends who since passed away, coming up right the here, Reverend. Uncle Phil, the Reverend in the white hat. Reverend Phil Dixon. Looks right in the camera. We said, don't hey. look in the camera. Watch. Here it comes. Do anything, but don't look in the camera. Boom. Boom. He was a very, very funny man. Used to write stand-up comedy. <laughs> look, there he is. Very prominent in front. There he is. Looking right at the camera. I'm sorry, I never got your name. I'm Mike. I love Catherine. She's so funny. Dean so well. funny. We worked together again after that. No matter what she read of what I wrote, it always came out like I wanted it to come out. Catherine Kendall. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. What a lovely uh, makeup job you have. Oh, uh, Lisa works at the MGM Grand. I'm a Dorothy. Mm-hmm. So funny. Like she'd bring a friend encouraging and look at the Dorothy's a good thing. Well, we're not in Kansas anymore. The bad comic. <laughs> I'm trying. They were very good. Look at that reaction. So, uh, what do you guys do? Well, I'm a comedian. Dina was right on too, man. She was so perfect for this thing. I remember for her audition, she pulled up in a pickup truck, man. And Nicole was like, I think we found our girl. <laughs> at Doug's house. At Doug, and, Doug and Nicole's house is where we're having auditions. Well, you know, it's just different circuits. It's hard. It's hard to explain. You want to understand. Well, who's your booking agent? Love Jones singing in the background. That's right. Part of the Cocktail Nation. Actually, I'm, I don't have West Coast representation as of yet. Oh, who's your representation back east? I didn't. I sort of freelanced on my own, kind of like found my own things. Cause I. So what do you do, Trent? Here he goes. Oh, I'm a producer. Great. Now watch it. I like this. I like how I look at her. Yeah, great. <laughs> You're mad at me. It's not even covered. We don't double cut to anything. It's so just let all throw it all shots, away. We yeah. throw it all away and it all plays. It works it for all the place. Well, you can kind of use more to watch and picking one person to say this is the person who we want to check in on. Hey, Why not? Sure? Yeah. yeah, that'll be great. That'll okay, be great. great. Sure. Yeah. Let's go. Now, all these little things, Doug had practicals. See, there's the cat on the hood. I like that. Yeah. Little practical lights in the background really added production value. This was shot at a trailer park in the valley. Yeah. And this was my first day of shooting. On swingers, and this is the dailies that you got your you got your agent and you got your holding deal at Warner Brothers Television. That's right. You were the first guy to pop off this movie, and it was off the dailies of the scene. It was my first day of coming in to That's shoot. Great. I love him throwing the bottle cap. Disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Says, but, uh, Trent, they asked for you specifically. What was, the, what was the thing? Oh, I don't know what it was. It was uh, drugs are bad. Ginny eats something. Whatever. It's after school special. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the role I'm reading for, though, is... The, the, the role I'm this, I, I can't tell you how many times we were in situations like this. But, of course, and it always ended this way, too. I don't think we ever... Sometimes. One time one time we were in this situation, and I was kind of like... I was more Mike in, in the beginning. Do you remember? Yeah. But that was after the movie came out. That was out. after the movie came out. But we, we, all, we, but we always... Took, but that, actually, that time, we all turned the corner on that one. Not me. A little bit. You don't remember? And, we went, and then we went out with him a second time. No, it didn't work. Well, yes, it did. I have never. I will say it now no, on no, record. No, no. I have never gotten laid hanging out with Vince Vaughn, ever, ever. That's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember we went to we went and met them another night, a second night? Yeah. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah. Don't, that was the last. That uh, don't oh. stop it. We went. Yeah. We went. We went the one time. That's and right. We went to no. the one place. Remember? Yes. Say it was no one's home. Yeah. And then we went the next <sighs> night, and we went to another one. It was all bad. Do you remember that? I'm not a good bachelor. This is so funny. You're good here. Yeah, totally. But this is kind of like us, too, because I'm fucking with you telling your story. Yeah, and, and you, that, you know. I'm riding your ass. And that's what helps my really. See, that's why I makes know. Makes the scene in the performance work is because. I'm fucking with him. Like in real life. 
sitting there tearing their face. Their this is like the one scene where there's really improv. Well, I mean, it was all there was a foundation. There's and there's moments that are hit, but but to keep it fresh each take. No, but like we all have stuff. stories and all that shit. Yeah. And your your monologue, this monologue was like, you know, ten seconds long on the page. Mm-mm. And then he and he added all these little things, and and he gave a different performance each time. You should really look at different takes of this thing, because you you play it different, totally different each time. And I remember Doug was yelling cut and shit. Remember that shit at first before he got what you were doing. It was like I was like, just roll the fucking camera. Yeah. You know, and it all it all sort of came together. Well, I think it was also well, yeah, you know people. We had a particular way of interacting with each other that, and you know, you go off the page, people think you're off the page, but I think you know. They see it as undisciplined, but really, you're discovering other stuff. And Steve Marioni is that was very our background. Good at, Marioni was good at picking out what was making it cohesive. A value. Eleven. Eleven years and you old. Said double oh, down. Right? Yeah. It's me trying. That's all. Now scripted. that was supposed to be. Yeah, but double. That wasn't your comeback. My no. eleven was supposed to be the button on the scene. And then he was supposed to say this line, but he fuck with. <laughs> we were just fucking getting up each other's ass. And I love this line. That's here. your great bit. Which is a throne, which is not scripted, which <laughs> well, you throw in as if to deflate my entire monologue. <laughs> I just went off on this whole thing and sold it and did my thing. And then Fab's yeah, thing was the, like, all right, we all love to improv. We all, we have, all, we all have bits that we do. It's so funny because it's on the script, it's like us totally like taking each other's, getting each other's back. And that's the truth of it. We would just fuck with each other so much in these instances that it would become more about us making each other laugh than anything. And by the end of the night, the women would get tired. Yeah. (laughs) Magic Man, that's Vince's theme. Now, here's my big thing I love. All the stuffed animals, how they all fall when he's humping her. I love (laughs) 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 We put the loud noise of it hitting. So good. Look look at him get down. Seriously. Can you check this out, everyone? God. Look how he's doing it. Yeah. Somebody said to me, John, you're an idiot. You got one love scene and you don't make you got and you don't make it you when you write a script. Look at him. He's looking at here's what we fake it. We think they're kissing. Yeah, big dog gotta eat. What is that (laughs) supposed to mean? (laughs) God. <laughs> look at the greasy nose. Oh, look at that shiny. It's so hot in there. You know what? It won't last. Why not? It's a rebound. We were rebounded. We lasted for six years. It's well, good. Yeah, I like the scene. I like how it goes into the, with the door with the condom. Six years. The camera was so loud, too. Can I say that? The camera was effective for shooting with the light. Yeah, it was great. We used what the 5298 stock, yeah. sensitive film stock. We used the Atom, which was small, so we could get into this tiny trailer. Nicole and Victor did a great job on making, you know, we did the movie for $250,000. Yeah. They did a hell of a job of keeping us in film and Stretching calling up, places and asking for short, short ends. ends. Yeah, exactly. We shot every short end of fifty. And Doug does a great job shooting the movie. I mean, the look of the film feels very right, and he was smart enough to know what camera would work and, and, and be effective. I need to... Um, there it is, condom. His big thing too was let's not shoot this thing and make it look like a party girl where there's not enough extras and it looks like a cheap real movie. Let's do it like clerks and let's just shoot it real down and dirty. And then we have plenty of money with two hundred fifty thousand dollars. 
And that was never what we had planned. And Doug really brought a vision with that to really go for it with less lights than you normally would use, using the real background as extras. Here comes Skinny. <laughs> so it's, it's an 800, it's 800 number. So funny there, Fabs. So good. It is. It's good stuff. And at one point, I, I have think, a calling card. <laughs> I think at one point, I had the answering machine talking to me there. Here we go. I love it. They're so good here. These girls are great. And this is my favorite stuff to do, really, is to react <laughs> off of other people. <laughs> He's a sweetie. And here's where the night's gone. He's a sweetie. Puppy dogs and ice cream. I'll make some. <laughs> and, the, and here come the lights. <laughs> morning. Good morning. See, there were like camera bumps and shit that we were trying to cut around at first, and then, and then at a certain point, we just said, "Let's just go for what's the best performance." And to Doug's credit, he was like not um, vain about. A lot of times, people will will protect the technical sides, but he always made every decision based on performance, which was really cool. Did she call? Good looking shot. Good looking close up. See, I like this us in the foreground, you in the background. And now watch what we go to after this. I think my favorite shot in the movie is coming up. This one. I love this shot. I love this. With the sky, the composition. This was the last thing we shot leaving Vegas. Yes. And Vegas was our last thing that we shot. Yeah. Christy was nice. Yeah, I really didn't like her that much, to be honest. It's not. I don't know, man. She just... And we were fucking tired. We were all hungover and tired. I had written in the script this sign. And, uh, and we just drove up to where it was and we parked and we shot. Yep. And we had no... Um, and actually there's police sirens you can hear. The police come while we're shooting this thing. Yep. They shut us down. And we just kept rolling. I don't think so. I heard them both talk. And both those girls thought you were money. They're a good friend. Whatever happened to the Swingers car? Swingers car I sold, and I heard it sold on eBay again. And it just was, you know, I hung on to it as long as I could. That was my day-to-day -day car, though. 64. car, but just didn't move. 64. Comet Caliente. Hot. Convertible. It's the predecessor to the, uh, to the, uh, what was it called? The uh, Mustang. 64 and a half the Mustang started. Same engine. 289. Do you know how stupid that sounds? Listen to me, Mike. Your self-esteem is low right now because she's with somebody else. But talking about it and thinking about it all the time is depressing. It's this no is good way. stuff, man. This is the end of Act 1 coming up here. Which sets you up for you're going to go try back in L.A. And people accuse the script of being disjointed because it's what, what do you, you start in Vegas and then you go to L.A. You shouldn't change it to be all in Vegas or not at all in Vegas. It just shows you that the rules don't really always... It was such an oddity as far as tracking a, a screenplay or a film in a traditional way of, of set pieces, but we didn't really have anything except for the characters, and credit to John, is you know, setting it in a world that was interesting enough that, that, that was fun to follow, and being specific to that world. There was a lot of pressure to lose your the money in, in a lot of the sayings that were in the movie because they thought it wouldn't be understood by people outside of that area in, in Los Angeles. But John was smart enough to realize that that's the thing that would make people drawn more into it, meaning someone going through a breakup is universal, but that's enough for them to, to, uh, to buy into. I'm telling you, man. 
You're better off without this girl. You gotta trust me on this, Mike. All right, buddy? Stop talking. Just <laughs> shut up. Okay, I'm gonna try. This was, this was a little improvised ending to it. It was good. It was a good energy that wasn't in the scene. We would always err to the side of making each other laugh and keeping it in the movie, as opposed to keeping it all so important. A little fishtail here. Yeah. Very little. A little fishtail. It looks like we're about to get wiped out by a semi. King of the Road, man. This is scary. <laughs> Town. I ain't knocking no one's around, I said. That's the real golf course. Yeah, it's there. Rent your clubs. You rent what a nine, a seven, and a putter. They give you a nine and a putter. I think they have sevens. Queens College. That's where I went to school. Queens College. Any other Disney character would be fine, Mickey. Minus. Hey, we bring him back in. There's the uh, the the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers. How skinny the Fabs is. Oh God, was I? It's like what was I? Twenty eight, twenty nine here. It's like, Mom, hi. I didn't get that pilot. By the way, I'm goofy. Send more money. Good timing. There it is. Hey, Rob. You notice I didn't mention her once today. I think this is the first shot of the movie, yep. This uh, that walking shot. And we shot here, and then we had to pick up some stuff, and Doug hid the um, camera in his bag, and we snuck onto the golf course again another day to get some pickup stuff. But this was our first day, and I remember there was no light. It was, you know, of course you start shooting, it's dark out. And I remember that the guy had to put the makeup on me with the neon light from the uh, the little luncheonette window there, which is not a good light for makeup. And the crap, the truck, we had like one truck. Get there. Didn't make it there. Yeah, here it is. Excellent. <laughs> he's saying all the things that people have told him to say, and now he's saying it to him. No excuses for myself. I'm going to get back out there. It's a weeknight. You got a Pluto call back? Yeah. Kick me when I'm down. All right, count them up. How many strokes? Eight strokes. Known as a uh, snowman. What'd you get? Eight or a nine? I'll How give you an eight. You get? I got an eight. See, they call eight a snowman. See? It looks like a little snowman. You better replace the pin, Chi Chi. The natives look restless. Here we, Here go. we go. Here we go. We use the shot so many times in the movie. There it is. We used to play this game all the time. We would go out with Patrick Van Horn. Patty Van Horn, yeah. And uh, we would go back to an apartment uh, that he lived in. Uh, just off of uh, Franklin. We used to go to the one actually that that uh, his friend John lived at uh, off of Hollywood Boulevard. John and, and Sean Sean Rosigliano. That's right. Named after and made. And we would go there at night and we would play sit all night. and play all night and we would order from Pink Dot. Now Vince actually sat in the editing room and shot all the. Um, Played the game to get Gretzky's no, uh, head to bleed. And we, all that. we did it here on the set, and we were going to walk away from it because we were having a hard time getting Gretzky's head to bleed. Do you remember? And he's like, well, we'll just move away from it. And we kept trying and trying, and finally we, we got it and saved it. And it was a replay that you saw. Yeah, Vince is very good at video games. You were pretty good at the video games. There's me in the beach chair that I really did sit in at his house the first night we all hung out. 
And again, me and Patrick are really being rough on each other. I was, I was always, I think we did it in order to keep it, you know. Keep it real. Keep it real. Okay, yeah, it's on the fourth floor. The elevator's broken, okay? <laughs> the fourth floor elevator broke. I wish they still had fights in this game so I could bitch slap Wayne. Now, what was the deal? Is Wayne not, Wayne was not a fan of this? I don't th I thought he was. It was he? There yeah. is some hockey, uh, people are very aware of the scene of, in the hockey community. Yeah. This is the first scene that was cut together, I remember that. Playoffs. I'm going to make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed for super fan number 99 over here. Mm. Mikey, get the door. Yeah, give me some money. Why do I have to give you money? Give me some fucking money. I'm not paying again. Jesus Christ. Bunch of broke actors. Want to order their stuff. Do my thing with the thing. There was a lot of improv in this scene, too, actually. Now that I see it. <laughs> he used to ride his ass. And vice versa. Yeah. Here it is. Here it comes. I love it. There it is, Mikey. Check it out. It's there it is. That's pretty cool. Little Wayne's legs are shaking. There we go. There's the Reservoir Dogs picture. So yeah. we establish our hero worship. There's a Reverend Horton Heat album cover somewhere over here. I'm not kidding. You made all this shit up, peaches. <laughs> this is a uh, Mensur, my um, landlord, right? My landlord at the time. Oh, this fucking peacock guy. Hold on. Hey, Mikey. Mikey, is he cute? Is he brown? He'd be like to come in and join us for a coffee. So that was like that was like that was like in the script, and then Vince kept going with it. But it was because we used to really do it. Is he polite? Yes. A lot of the whenever, stuff. Whenever someone would come to the door <laughs> to deliver stuff, whoever had to go to the door, you would say whatever you would could in order to make them as embarrassed as possible. Here's an improv line that I love by Fabs. I'm sorry, Michael. Would be nice. You guys are assholes. Here. Eat, eat your fucking jackals. <laughs> your jackals like we had the bag. We've been waiting all night. He paid for it. What time is the party tonight? Starts at 8. Everybody get there around 10. See, he's got all these musical instruments, drums and shit, like everybody we knew. All these people who were like hanging out in Hollywood. They all had a guitar. They all had something. So they could play like one chord. Yeah. They all had a lot going on. What does he do? Uh, he's trying to be an actor. What a surprise. Taxi driver up here. So, now this is the outside of the actual room. And we had set up 50 feet of dolly track here to track with us. And we ended up not using any of it. But this is really the entrance to the room. Yeah. I think it's on Coanga and Vista, and there's Hollywood. It's Coanga and Vista, and it's right here. And the opium den's down that way now. Right. And then when we cut the inside... The room is right across the street, in a way. Yeah, that's right. And now this is the Three of Clubs again. This is Three of Clubs, yeah. Where our friend Rio was a bartender who is in the movie later, we'll point him out. That's right. He helped us out a lot with this. Now he's a bar owner in New Orleans. You know, Frankie, that, that picture was up in the, uh, in the room where I've gone for the first time because every year on Frank Sinatra's birthday, everybody gets together there. They have a big party for Sinatra's birthday where they play Sinatra music and people show up. What's the date on that, Fabs? I don't know. It's, oh, it's in the movie. Whatever's on the calendar, I made it Sinatra's birthday. Right. percent from, from, from all over the world come to our gene pool. That was a big thing. When I first came to Hollywood, everybody seemed so hot. There's Alex, Alex also in the there. band Hepcat. Now he's on a talented guy, the Ted Danson show. Becker. Charles, this is my friend Rob from back east. He just moved out here. This is a big thing. This was actually we we the bar was open, but we were shooting against the bar, and we made this feel this crowded. But it was funny because when we were shooting it. 
in Los Angeles, when you act like you're trying at something, then you're sort of considered to be nerdy. So we were out like we were holding lights and and we were really trying yeah. and doing our lines and like all these kids who like had motorcycle stuff on but I, I but didn't own any motorcycles were looking at us like we were we were <laughs> we were not cool. And I always found that to be interesting. Remember Doug's idea for how we we're gonna get people to watch us coming in? That we were gonna wear clown makeup or something? That's right. He didn't realize that just having a camera on a <laughs> couple of people would turn some heads. Model party. We've been invited to several model parties since then. Now watch for the lights in the background. We talk in this scene about hiding the lights. But if you look, there are, there's a C-stand with flags on it coming up. There's one. Is that one? There they are. And this is, you know, again, John's writing, which I think is smart, is that we're sitting around talking about a scene and discussing independent film, but actually mimicking it. And we continue to once we, we right. leave the place as well with the Reservoir Dogs. Right, shot. so what we wanted to do, the, the whole idea was to have a subtle ripoff of the 360 tracking shot from Reservoir Dogs. And we're talking about how Reservoir Dogs steals from other movies right here. And then we take it to the next step, and then we actually just do a complete rip off of it. So it's like inside, you know, jokes, independent film jokes. I heard they did that whole thing for another ten grand. I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, everybody steals from everybody. That's, no that's Let's just get the hell out of here if we want to make this party. All right. All right. Here we go. So again, the, those are both scenes that would sort of be off story, because they they are there to, to make this joke work about you know independent film stuff but it wouldn't necessarily track your particular story but it's effective in the movie but that's something that you know in script notes would be said hey this doesn't serve your story take it out but it actually does because it kind of sets up these actors and kind of how they see themselves and you know then their reality all of them driving different cars to a party now everyone's real car is here we didn't have a lot of cars my my car is actually the worst of the lot the uh chevy, chevy beretta i bought from avis that this I one was a rental because we needed a cavalier because that was a line in the movie so this was a rental this was john's the last one was Victor Simpkins. Then we had the K car, and my the pink car, K car. That was uh, one of the crew members. Was my car, and, and was, actually my car, ready. my car ran out of gas. Remember, I got to the <laughs> right late, and right. I had no gas, and, and so had one headlight. Too, someone, I think. Had, someone actually, the first AD. There you go. The <laughs> fit, he's going one fucking headlight. Yeah, one headlight, <laughs> and there's a window smashed out because I was outside a country bar one night and locked my keys in the car. And versus calling someone, I broke the window to to get my keys out of the car. But but I was late getting to set, and then someone had a siphon actually siphon gas out of another car and put it into my car so the thing would start and move. Right in the car. That's why if you look, the light, there's actually light coming up. There we go. And this is the shot we steal for the beginning uh, for when we're playing. It's reversed, so it tilts down. And this was actually a party they threw for our movie. Yeah, yeah. this was a party we threw to film at Marty Bowen's house, <coughs> who was an agent's assistant, I think, at the time where we were. I think that was him on the front, on the steps. This is one of those big, great... 1920s Hollywood Hills houses that sort of has fallen into disrepair, but people like all get together, become roommates, and they live in these huge mansions. There's Steve Gagan, who just uh, won the Academy Award for tra writing Traffic. And I think Mike White's in here someplace. There's, I think it's Roger. Is that Roger Cumble, the director? A lot of these people have moved on. These were all like people who were hanging out in Hollywood just starting out. Now a lot of these people, if you look in the crowd, there's John Livingston. Was that John Livingston? There's Eden Wormfeld and... It was Wally. I think it's like Mirror Mirror on the wall. I see him. I see. Now here's one of my close friends who's a stand-up comic coming up. Ahmed Ahmed. Ahmed Ahmed, there he is, the Egyptian magician. The Egyptian lover. Yeah, he was a big Johnny Cash fan from what I understand. Oh, right, right, right. With the song. Yeah, boy named Sue. Right. So I think we're such a mean cat. 
That guy? Oh, he's a bad guy. You know, look, he's no, he's mean, man. I seen him in a fight once. This was like a story somebody told me once. A lot of this stuff is real stuff that I had heard. There's always the a guy in the crowd who they claim is, and they make it worse and worse. The less the guy gives the reaction, the more the guy sells the story. There he is. There's Ahmed yeah. Ahmed, the Egyptian magician, who's now um, was on the cover of um, the Wall Street Journal. He's in Newsweek because he's Arab. Was on the View and Arab comic in the post September eleventh. Uh, the first person sort he of... He sort of talks about his experience. You know, he's a kid from Riverside, California, so he sort of talks about his experience um, and how he's been... The world around him has affected how he's been treated. He's a very funny guy. No, she's not looking at you, dude. Will you quit asking me if she's looking at you? She hasn't looked at you. This is one loop scene. We loop this in Victor's living room. Loop means you sort of dub it after the fact. There's the girl smoking a cigar. That was like a cool thing at the time. All right, man. Who's that? Jen Terrell, that was the uh, the wardrobe That's supervisor. <laughs> that is something. When you first move to L.A., all the women look phenomenal because they put themselves together. They're in good shape. They're tan. When you first get here, everybody's a 10. And the dating rituals in L.A. are very different, I think, from other cities, too. So it's a place when you come, you have to sort of assimilate to how... Again, Dijkstra. Hi, uh, how you ladies doing this evening? Here's the car bit. What do you drive? This is the bit Vince always makes fun of me for. Well, this was more of a traditional joke. <laughs> well, the other stuff was kind of laughing at, you know, characters committed to a situation, but it's, you know... This was a little sitcom. I was laughing at you that, that, that day we were doing it because it was, you know. You still ride. You still you would ride my ass through that. Oh, wait, <laughs> it's not as funny as that. Whatever, as funny as, oh, whatever what, I would what kind of car you drive? Shit, I would say, oh, I'm sorry. Should we should we set up that that the car is red? <laughs> would that would that bring the bring the kids down? <laughs> now, Doug's father was an attorney and, and knew Steven Spielberg very well, and. Um, he was the one who approved the Jaws music. Uh, and we knocked off here. In the, in the movie, which was written in the script. And then Spielberg seeing it for this ended up being, if, I, if I'm right, was his introduction to you. And then he ended up getting cast. Vince ended up getting cast in Lost World after he met with Steven after Steven saw this movie. Steve, Spielberg was really nice and gracious about, you know, he's, he's always out there looking at the new filmmakers and the new small films. He's up on a lot of that stuff. He really stays in you touch. You look at a lot of his movies. He, he always sort of hires, um, a lot of times, not necessarily people that, that have established names. He gives a lot of people opportunities. She's goodness. You were goodness, too, bro. This See, was something had, she came up with. Yeah, this was all, this wasn't in the script at all. She was great. You know what? She, she was in Starship you're Troopers, too. You're so emotional. You're so dramatic. Right. You should be an actress. I was like... <laughs> the music over there. I love it. I like and the reactions I, of you guys terrified like a shark attack. Yeah. Now here's was, this is one of the things Doug really brought to it. Uh, the the actual camera tracking through the crowd. He really went with it. We actually recorded this music. This wasn't from the Joy soundtrack. I think. Now that sounds too thick. Maybe it's on a synthesizer. He rips it up, and he gets her cigar. Now, I would rip up numbers in real life, too, but, but I wouldn't go up and ask for them. If, 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 if someone yeah. came up to me, sometimes girls would come up to me, and they would give me numbers. It's true. That's where I got the idea. And I would rip them up. 
because I was never going to call. And John would say, why would you rip up their why knives? Why do you do that? So, so why not? Why is that cold? See, man, T can't roll with that. She's business class. But this is more strange. Business it's like class, he goes up and gets so. the number and rips it up like he could just prove it. He can do it. <laughs> Which is a whole other thing. And then you, I love it. You write a joke for us where we say business class, <laughs> big butt, can't fly coach. And then you say, aren't you guys terrible? That was something, that joke actually was Adam Leff who wrote um, PCU at one of his parties. He said business class. That's where I got that from. Here we go. Bum. Everyone in their own cars. Canters. Canters. Which in actuality would not pass on the way to the Dresden. And people have complained to me about that coming from that part of town. Well, you don't know. You don't know where that house was. I guess. I guess it could have been anywhere. Pink K car. I love it. There we Bowl. go. We just shot there for um, the Big Empty. And uh, <laughs> uh, Big Lebowski shot there as well. I still hang out there. And you still hang out there. And there's the Dresden. There's the Dresden, which was a place Mark. that I started coming to before I was 21. Is that bad to say? One of the places they'd let me in, and I loved it. It was just a you know laid-back bar with the Marty and Lane singing. It was always fun. and We used to go there and hang out. Now, there's a THX uh, 138 license plate, which is a reference in a reference, because that's the license plate that Lucas put on the car in American Graffiti as a reference to... There's Carl. There's Carl. As a reference to, of course, to, uh, his, his, his sci-fi movie by the same name. So I figured instead of just having movie references here, we would have references to movie references. Take it one step further. Martin Lane. Martin Lane. And these guys really, you know, have gone on. You've seen them on a lot of stuff. But they really play there. They really play there. They're nice, nice people. And I thought staying alive was fun, too, because it's like we're like, we think we're the shit, like in Saturday Night Fever. But we're so not. <laughs> he breaks it down. It's great. <laughs> and those are their albums, which you can buy at the Dresden. That's back when smoking was allowed, so that there was no smoking around the uh, keyboards. Cause she had to sing. I mean, does it have to be goofy? You know, I was Hamlet two months ago. Running through the movie. Still he was a Shakespeare All the plots guy. going through. He went to Yale. That's a little reference to him. And we had played Captain Crunch together in, in a Chicago boat show. So that's where that little tidbit came from. There we go. It's I don't remember. Who were they? One of them was, um, I think Ronnie did one of them on the right. The one on the right. I think. I don't know. It's been a while. What year did we shoot this? Like, 95? There's the chain. He had the longest chain. Everybody had a chain but Vince. Vince didn't want to put I didn't want to put a chain. Well, chains were so popular and everyone was wearing chains, so it was good and it worked for the movie. This was Brooke's idea. She went to a lot of olives. Brooke Langton I ended up working with again on um, The Replacements of all films. She's good. She's really funny. Were you laughing at, at, at me? That's funny to you. Huh? <laughs> great. Good. Great day. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. <clears throat> Let me make it up to you. It's a good flirt. See, now, what, when, I'm, when I'm screwing up, we show every little bit of it. But what you'll see later, when things go well, I don't... We don't show any of it. We leave it sort of to your imagination that things are just going smoothly. Just play some music over it, some keyboard, some uh, piano over it. Do I know you? Where do I know you from? Um, you, know, you ever been to the Ha Ha Hole on, a, on Pico? Nope. Is that a real place? The Ha Ha Hole? No, it was more like... Um, it was a place on Pico where they had open mic. I That's forgot right. the name of it. 
But uh, Ha Ha Ho is just a good name for a bad <laughs> comedy club. It's also like the most embarrassing thing I would say to her. Now here I'm trying to lie and not make the same mistake that I had made earlier. Learn from what happened with the other people and talk about the booking agents. Talk about which car I drive now. Trying to use the things. But she busts me. We were running out of time. They wanted to open. We shot during the day here and they were ready to open. And this was like the last shots we got. So rushed. It's great. It's not funny. You came in and asked me for an application. She nailed it. There we go. There's the look. Me getting this shit, the piss taken out of me. It must have been a while ago, because I'm, you know, right now I have a booking agent, because I've been, you know, booking, I have a booking agent now that I got, he's part of, uh... No. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's probably more, probably longer, because things have been going very well lately, so I haven't been looking for a job in a while. But you could have been somebody that looks like me, because a lot of people who look... Ugh, uh, must be improvising so a little too much. I don't think so. Yeah. Don't get yeah. There we go, see, I got it. Where's that? Just, just, just take this, because I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you... Nikki. Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Mm -hmm. There I go. Oh. Now, this little speech was taken from almost word for word from something that happened like a year before when we were at a party, all three of us, at the St. James, which is the Argyle now. Yeah. And, and I, actually, it was Patrick who, who used the bear and claws. Did he? Was he the I one? think it was Patrick who said the thing with bears and claws. But we all kind of. And then Doug gave it like the red and the background and this weird like lighting. This was all designed by him. He it wasn't accidental to give it like a more of a scary feel. This shot was an optically shifted this way because the frame line was here, and we're able to for those who care. Now the Dresden was one of those places where we shot during the day. It was actually before they opened, they let us come in and shoot. That we said the bar was not open. Yeah, this was one of the few clubs that we actually locked up completely. It's a good performance there. And they were good together. So when it came time to perform this, of course, these guys knew exactly what to do because we'd actually lived this moment. And this was also something else. This was, this was a different thing that Vincent actually said to me. So a lot of the dialogue everybody likes, just let me go on record saying came from st stuff that a lot of it came from stuff that the people in the movie really said in their real life. So I'm t I took a lot of credit for... No, but Fabs was smart enough to, to put it in a movie and, and have make sense out of it. Now, did I say you're a bad man? I used to also say on some takes, uh, Lonesome Cowboy. Lonesome Cowboy, that's right. Now, here we're playing to the, the Jaws. I said that you at the Spaghetti Factory. I said the guy in the PG-13 movie. That's right, the Spaghetti Factory, where you could go for five bucks. Now, the Jaws. Now, see, it, it transforms into this music, and... You don't see, when he gets a number, you don't see any of it. Because when it's going right, it doesn't matter. And you don't even remember when it goes right, but when it goes bad, you remember every excruciating second. So he gets it, so he thinks he's... And if you look at the way this plot tracks, it actually does track a, a three-act plot. Ah, I make like I'm going to, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Here's the old... 310. The area code joke, uh -huh. which a lot of people want us to take out as well because they thought it was too... Provincial. Right. But it's been used in other movies since. Tomorrow, then a day. Yeah. So two days. This is also real shit that Vince used to tell me. Yeah. Straight face, completely. No, I used to wait two days to call anyone. We would exaggerate it. This again. exaggerates it. But Vince, you would wait five days on occasion. I, I was never like a planned thing. Like I just knew if you met someone that night that the call the very next day would be a little bit eager. 
but I didn't know that. But one good thing is we sort of blew the whole lid off this for everybody because now people joke about it. So then the thing became the call right away. Yeah, so. You're not a game player. Ha, ha, ha. Too soon, you might scare off a nice baby. That's ready to <laughs> pretty party. Nice baby. Wait to call your babies. Six, Six days. days. I don't know. Schools or philosophy. This is actually the parking lot of Muson Frank's, which is a famous restaurant. You can see how little money we actually had by the signs. We actually shot there recently for Farrow's new show, Dinner for Five, is where we uh, at Muson Frank's that is. Now this crowd of guys was meant to represent like the other crowd that's sort of in Hollywood. It's supposed to be sort of the scarier, tougher. Or wannabe. So watch where you're going, bitch. Oh, I'll see now this is actually my friend Rio Hackford. That's Rio. And the rest of the guys were our PAs, too. This guy's Jay Diola with the hat on. He now owns a hip salon called Lather in uh, Hollywood where a lot of the stars go to get their hair cut. Holding the gat off back and sideways. What was cool about this is that at the time, in an independent film, people could have got shot. You know what I mean? Like that, like this movie could have gone any way because it was an indie. So you don't know. It could turn bad. And here's the funny. What, did you see boys in the hood? Not one of us is going to get shot. Fucking bitch. You ain't going to do anything, guys. But the thing about it is, too, is like in most of the movies that people were making, or people of our age, they would always glamorize themselves sort of as with guns or, you know, darker side or crime side. And our story was much more just about out-of-work actors trying to get jobs and trying to meet girls. And so I always really liked this and thought it was funny. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. And I love this line here. Anaheim. Because even, like, the other crew and what they represent always are sort of erroneously hard with strange created pasts. And you'd meet a lot of them. You know, again, like with the Sioux story. It's whizzing by your head. If you live in a good neighborhood, man, in New York, trouble finds you. People get carjacked. Oh, man, who would ever carjack your fucking K-car? He's right, Sue. You don't need to carry a gas. Listen, just because I had the balls... K-car. The balls. House of Pain. There's a lot of good fucking shit in this. Here's where it turns. Patrick's good here. Yeah, no, he's great. What about you, Mikey? At least I fucking have balls, man. You always whining about some bitch that left you a year ago. It was six months ago, and she didn't leave me. Whatever, man. You're like a fucking little one. Now, the part after he tells me off and I go out, we originally just cut out after that. But in, in making the movie more about the group of guys and less about just my character, it ended up making you care a lot more about the movie. So when he sort of protects me afterwards... It shows, you know, that Trent generally likes Mike and he cares about him. It's effective in establishing that... Right here. Shut the fuck man. up. Just shut the fuck up, or I don't even want to fucking talk to you right now. It's good act. It's very important. Shut the fuck up. You establish that Trent cares about Mike. This is my favorite scene <laughs> in the whole movie. The Cartoon Network had Elmer Fudd doing this scene, too. It was forever made. The acting here is so good. This was another thing. This was like the first day of shooting, too, and the crew, nobody laughs, nothing. Which is always, I think, the sign of a good comedy. <laughs> always, always. And also, in just looking at the script, everybody was like, it's too much, too many times, five times leaving a message. But again, this you know, style of comedy is an overcommitment to something that's absurd. You know, so it's as simple as how to leave a message. When do you do it? 
and how important it is, what it represents to him, makes it funny because really he's just leaving a message for someone that he meant and potentially go out with. But as we know, it's been set up in the movie, it's everything to Mike. It's very simple, just the camera doesn't accentuate any jokes, it just lets it hang there. You're just observing. Hi, this is Nikki, leave a message. This is my favorite. Hi, uh, Nikki, <laughs> this is Mike. I met you at the, um... Trying to come off a certain way. Uh, I just called to, to say that I had a great time. Now he's getting himself in trouble. That's fine. Two, two days, right? A little slip up. Anyway, uh, my number Too much information. Is 213-555. Four, six, seven, nine. Uh, Did she get the Geiger number or not? drawing there? Like a little more bizarre. He's got to do it again because he didn't get the number. That's the thing too. Putting the beep in exactly the right place where it would justify calling back. Right. Hi, this is Nikki. Leave a message. Hi, uh, Nikki. This is Mike again. I, I just called because it sounded like your your machine might have still reasonable. Explaining himself. Before I finish leaving my number. Anyway, uh, and you know, and also, um, sorry to call so late, but you were still at the Dresden when I left, so I knew I'd get you. It's a tough monologue. I hear people do this as a monologue for like acting classes and stuff, which is kind of cool. It beeps, cuts me off again, right? So of course he's got to call back. And a lot of this is one. This is all one so far. One so thing. far up to hear from when he grabbed the phone. Two one three five 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 seven nine. That's it. Just get away. Here we go. Anyway, I think I was uh, weird or desperate. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang out and uh, see where it goes because it's nice and uh, and I love it too it's a whole relationship in the matter of a few phone calls bye bye there we go okay he gets okay out. he did it he got the number out he did great but he's got to chase he it he called a little early like losing money call. in Vegas yeah, go exactly. to the ATM one more time there we go now this is the first I cut. lost 200 I can at least get that back now we pump we pump it a little tighter Hi, build it up just got out of a okay, so here, here he goes. The go. same story is telling every fucking buddy. Of the I just wanted you to know that it, it's not you, it's me. It's <laughs> just like a relationship, right? It's like a whole. It's not you, it's me. This is Mike. <laughs> this is Mike, like <laughs> you may not know who it is. <laughs> given the fact that he's already left. He goes messages. again. This is when people in the audience start groaning really loud. That's my favorite type of comedy when it's funny, <laughs> but it's also really painful. <laughs> we cringe. Hi, Nikki. This is this is Mike. Could you just uh, call me? He knows he's fine. Oh, it's so bad. Desperate. It's so bad even now to look at. Fuck! I say fuck again there, but we, I don't know why. And it's great because in his reality, it's sort of that the machine and that is getting in his way, not himself. Hi, this is Nikki. Leave a message. He has to call it off. Uh, Nikki, <laughs> it's over. Mike. It's not working out here. It's, uh, it's, it's, See, but if it's you hard. Look, it's hard to do, though. It's hard to break off with her. <laughs> But if you look at this, now if you look at this without the sound, it looks like a dramatic moment. It's like you don't, you never play comedy for the funny. You always play the funnier it is, the really you got to play it, and the fucking realer it is and heavier it is, the funnier you got to play it. I, I agree. Think. Mike, Nikki, great. Did did you just uh, walk in, or were you, were you listening all along? Don't ever call me again. Wow. Wow, I love it. I guess you were home. So now he's right. hit, our protagonist has hit rock bottom, right? And now we cut to black. He, he struck out with the, with the girl with the red car. Everybody's laughed and laughed. And now everybody, you're given this moment to hang to sort of realize that, you know what, the stakes are pretty real here. And so we, through laughter, we get it to the point where emotionally you got the rug pulled out of you. So there's an emotional journey in this movie. 
and Sue kind of being the one to his face to say, you're not, you're not making it, you know, sort of drove him to call that night, desperation. All right, man, I guess you're not home. Listen, why his friends are all trying to check in with him. His blinking messages. He hasn't heard from him for two days. This is funny, too. Listing all the places where, where we might be, so meet up with us. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the shutters are closed. And I really was this depressed at a certain point. Unshaven. Time has passed. I would never. That's a fake beard. I would never have that, that sexy a beard. These are actual letters from, from my old girlfriend, too, which, which I sort of looked at. But by the time I had to shoot this thing, it didn't even bother me anymore, so I didn't really look at them. This is pictures of Tiffany Kuzan, who was an assistant at the agency where I was represented. These pictures always make me laugh because they're so funny in that everyone has these shots and, like, the dating gone wrong, and now they were at, like, a beach, and that was nice. And <laughs> It's so funny. We shot this at the Santa Monica Pier. <laughs> they went to a booth, and they had some fun moments. It's good. She still, she has a lot. I'm sorry that we never gave her Ski a credit. Trip. We never gave her a credit. So here's Tiffany. Here's your credit, finally. There it is. You got your credit in the movie. The earthquake cracks. Always the earthquake first hit when I first moved there. It, always, it really struck me. I, we, we carved those into the wall because it was important to show how fucking insecure and unstable everything was in Hollywood. It's a scary thing when you first move to Hollywood. The whole, the looming earthquake reality that you're brought up to fear. And here comes Ronnie, and Ronnie and me really did have this scene. And he did bring over a pepperoni, and I was drinking orange juice, and he, uh, he had been through a bad breakup back in Chicago, and he was one of the few friends I could talk to this Sinatra box set that I listened to. This is what I listened to as I wrote Swingers, that Capitol record set. And here he is, he opens up, lets some light into the life. Today? See the shadow on the wall from, from the light this way, which sort of betrayed the uh, power of the lights coming down. Varga girl calendar. A lot of little details. Now he's starting to become more of a swinger. The other scene, he's wearing a flannel. Now he's starting to get a little more into the scene. Favreau actually wrote a script for Swingers too before this movie ever came out. That's really funny, but, but something that we'll never, never make. make. <laughs> But it is really funny. Don't worry about it. It's like now I have my LA gun story. Here's my IKEA furniture. There we go. There I am. This is my uh there's a Billy Holiday box set. Not that it matters, but it was good for me. It was those that was the shit I listened to when I was going through my rough time. Hey, it's been two days. You should call that Nikki girl. Uh, Oof. Opens up the wound. Boom. There it is. Everything's pretty underplayed in this, yeah. which is nice. Which is why you, I've had people say to me, you know, it's not a comedy, really, Swingers. I think of the best comedies are stuff that you play straight. Commit to the circumstances. You're doing really well out here, Mike. What am I doing? I, uh, I host an open mic. I uh, play a fucking bus driver. This scene is like, I always get up and take a leak during this little sequence from the minute after the phone call thing because I've seen this movie hundreds of times you know it's like a heavy part he's great in it but goofy thing his his plot was resolved the thing he was making fun of now he's saying he didn't want it it all depends on how you look at it alright 
I mean, you're telling me that your life sucks. That means my life is god-awful, you know? Part of the reason that I moved out here is because I saw how well you were doing, and I figured that if you could make it, then I could make it too. And this is true, man. To everybody, you think you're bad off is always somebody who's envious of everything you've accomplished and what you have. And it's all a matter of perspective. I think there's a lot of good messages in this movie, really, now looking at it again. A lot of people, this is their favorite scene, too. And why won't you call? Good emotion, like not, not too much emotion. It was good. The tone we, we hit in this movie between humor and emotion was really pretty spot on for a group of people who'd never done it before. It's a real testament to Favreau, too, because he wrote the screenplay with all of us in mind, Patrick, Ron Livingston, Alex, myself. And he actually had opportunities to get the movie made at other places and, and actually get paid and, and give it, at the time, what seemed to be a bigger opportunity for release. But John was very insistent that the piece was pure and that the people that it was written for portrayed it because there was a quality to it. It was tough to get everybody. You know, it was like a slow process getting everybody on board one by one. But, but we did it. And it was really exciting. I remember when the fifth person, I think it was Ron, or I think it was Ron or Patrick, got on it was so exciting to think that it would really be the people that did that first reading that was the thing people say you know with the movie we, we performed this movie almost as a play although it was just a read-through but we did it for a year trying to set it up we had about five or six readings and always at the end which i've been involved in table readings since have never ended the same way where there would be applause like a standing ovation after the reading and just play like gangbusters and so really you know in, for the sake of the movie it was just really capturing that chemistry in in, in the writing on film, we felt very confident with it. You missed the pain? Now here, see, I'm starting to eat here. Yeah. Now he, it's almost like The Exorcist where he takes my demon. You know what I mean? It's like I always thought of it like that. I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but now I'm getting up and telling him to cheer up. And tell him he looks like shit. So he came and like and assumed my burden and now he's upset. And now I can move on after and two you're days. you're helping him. And now he's, he's, that's, that's his resolution for the movie. And now I show up. Here we go. That's important, too, this moment here in establishing a genuine friendship. And here it is, a little light humor. We took a little the bit guys of The guy's got the gun pulled on and now hanging out. Which is so how it is. <laughs> he's still mad dogging me. And there's Rio. Hip hop. Amen. I always found that to be funny. You'd find a lot of kids who'd move here and sorted from anywhere, and then they'd Roscoe's. always end up like they. Roscoe's chicken, chicken and waffles is yeah. a good restaurant, but they'd always sort of make it like they were somehow hip hop or street, and I always found it to be like they were not in touch with reality, created <laughs> identities. A lot of created identities. A lot of cowboys out here. Yeah. A lot of a lot of street hip hop kids. And this is or like like New York neighborhood guys. Yeah, that's right. A lot of good like, fellas. Didn't really. Yeah. Like grew up in like Oregon. We knew a lot of people like that. I've been hating myself for the last two days. Hey, look. I know what that's like. All right. Come on, right. Superman. Watch your new kids on the block. Go double down. What time are we leaving? Uh, five minutes, baby. All right. Hey, Mikey, you should call that girl, uh, Nikki. There we Game go. The two days Third time. Is the old zipper. Punch. Ba -da -ba -da -bum. 
Here we go. This is the place. Now, Fava really did take swing dancing classes at this place, the Derby. And they used to play there. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy would play there uh, every Wednesday. First it was Royal Crown, then it was, then it was Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. And this is a, coming up as a, a, another sort of inside joke to independent film where we talked about early, earlier how uh, in Goodfellas, the, the, the handheld shot going up to the kitchen and the bar was cool. This is the actual entrance where the doorman is. And now we do a thing here with like the Goodfellas derivative where we go in through the back. There's Gary Auerbach coming Gary Auerbach, who's a friend of ours. And, and Brad Halverson, he's Brad, the uh, production designer on the movie. Yeah. And there's Gary Auerbach. Right there. Director Gary of Whiskey a. Down of uh, right. Just Your Luck. That's right. Two shooting Nice right guy. Goodfeller. So now the way that, that the shot was actually found was I was showing Heather Graham where Craft Services was, which was all the way down in the basement where the food was. And as I walked through these hallways, I was like, it looked just like the shot from the Copacabana one. And I grabbed Doug and we walked it, and Doug had the gaffer swap out bulbs, and we just put the camera on his shoulder and, and, and ran it. And it really fe fell in good with all the other homage pieces we had in it. Hey, what do you say, man? Hey, how's it going? But these are the actual staff working. And I've heard that people get, always people, they still catch people in the kitchen in here because uh, they see this movie and they think that that's how you really get in. We never really got in this way. Raul, what's up, man? How's it going? And also the um, guy who shot the steady cam shot in Goodfellas worked with us later on uh, Unmade. On Unmade. McConkie, that's right. And here we are, the dance floor with the whole thing going on. And here we go, reserve the booth. And this is where I would hang out. I would learn to dance. Lose my mind. It's a good song. My next train. And it's you and me and the bottle makes three and nine. Come on, baby. I still love this music. I, I haven't danced in so long. It's so much fun. There's nowhere to go anymore. Yep. There's Damiana, Martina. <laughs> There's my man. The whole bunch. These are all These the people that would great. really dance there. Daddy's so cool. great band, and, and not, couldn't find nicer guys. And then they went double platinum after this with their other album. This album went gold. Their next album went um, Paul and uh, Martina there. Paul really worked there. And these are all the people who sort of helped me learn how to dance and stuff. Yeah. <sighs> so fun. This was like a great single scene. This was a great way to meet girls going out because it was so this Molly who did makeup, did Heather's makeup. But it was great, too, because for us, you know, at the time, there was a lot of, you know, nightclub-type stuff, which never was our thing. And this was a place where you had live music, you could dance, people were friendly with each other. It was, you know... It was class. There were people dressed nice, they treated the ladies. There's a whole tongue-in-cheek over-politeness and nostalgic feel to it. Now, we were never, like, dead serious. This was a fun scene for everybody. Everybody appreciated the humor of the fact that they were hanging out this way. It was never like people totally bought into it. I mean, some people did, but most people really got it just a kick out of it. <laughs> I like this. I love her voice. She was the girlfriend of one of the dudes in the crew. Is one of our uh, wardrobe people. This is all improvised in here. <laughs> That's Nicola Loja, everybody. She was the first person attached to this movie. She did budgets. She tried to help me get this thing made for years. And a, a strong creative element in the film. And she was roommates with Doug. She put me together with Doug. She put me together with Victor. It all came through her. 
and she made the budget work for the price we had. She was the hardest working person on this movie. The production office was run out of her house, out of her garage. Double Down Productions. Double Down Productions. And there's Heather. And here's the bunny gag that was in the... Um, look how great she looked. I wrote that she looked like she stepped off the nose of a B-17 in the script, and she really did. She looked like a Varga girl, the dream girl. And there's the bunny. We did the wipe with the bunny, because bear with claws. They were very mad that we brought a, a live rabbit into the place. It was against health codes or something. So we lit her, and then now the bar's open. And she had a light up there aiming down, or she had a backlight up here or something, and so she was sitting in the one lit seat. And the bar was really open at this time while we shot there, which made it easier. You didn't have money and stuff for extras, but also first for authenticity. Well, watch this dude. This guy here doesn't know that we're shooting because the camera's walking in. He was trying to make time with her, and he gives me a nasty look. <laughs> he gives me a nasty look there. It sort of clears out eventually. Look. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that great? And then this is back when it was closed, this shot. But the shot that we need all the production value and the extras, we filled, we couldn't fill the place with extras. These are all our friends in the background. I'm, uh, I'm Mike. Hi, Mike. Lorraine. Like the quiche. She's great. Yeah, yeah. Like the quiche. That's the really original joke. Now I'm trying to make a joke. It doesn't go over. And it's like, fuck but it. this time we do see it when it goes well. It looks like it's going to go bad. And she's fucking with me. I always like when people fuck with each other in movies. That's how you show people like each other in movies. And in life, too. In life. You fuck with each other. It shows chemistry and a certain level of playfulness. Here we are hurting feelings. <laughs> this is a stolen shot, thanks to Steve, courtesy of Steve. Look at her. She's great. She's great. Look at that point of view. I love this. My ear is perfectly in focus, and all this is soft. Well, yeah. Wasn't that simple, but. Well, how was your heart? I left someone really special behind. Hey. Hey, just like him. You too? Oh, yeah. Heather. This is right before she did Roller Girl, too. And she, between this and Roller Girl, her career really, you know, she was great in, like, Drugstore Cowboy and Six Years of Separation. But her career really took off after people saw her in a few, a few of these independent films. And then she did, like, Austin Powers, which is actually an independent film at the time. Oh, was she in the second? No, she was, second in, one. Oh, she was in the second one. What'd she do? She did it lost in space. Yeah, there we go. Oh, God, look how soft that shot is. You said there are advantages to being single. I just want to know what the advantages are. Well, exactly. It's like, you know, you uh, have, com you know, if you're... <laughs> She's you're good. Bar and you talk to her, you don't have to worry if anybody's watching you. And they're cut to... What? Everybody's watching. You know, you, you grow, you go out. Anything. See, this is the, the charm of swingers. Out of focus, but it's still in the movie. The guy wanted to, yeah. You don't think he would want to? Do you mention that you swang dance earlier in the movie? Or no, no, I don't. At the, we do it afterwards in the diner. That's right. When I mentioned that I did it. That was like a buy I didn't know people would, would go for. I thought they would because, it, you know, but for us, there was so much swing dancing going on at that time. Yeah. That didn't seem that strange that someone knew how to swing dance. But it was put in the story later. <laughs> Bomb. He's smack him in his head. You guys were doing real shots at some point in here, too. They throw a real one in every now and then for us. Look at Van Horn, he's so funny. Phone calls. Phone calls. Here we have the place. 
Here it is, your Swinger Special Edition DVD. See, it's a slow one. Yeah, there we go. Special. Years later, you how want about the, you? You want, you want Here it. Here you have it. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen this movie in so many I years. I know, me so, too. As we're supposed to, be, supposed to be commentating on, I'm just sitting back I'm like I'm looking at an old time. high school yearbook. That's right. So here it is. It's like they go on, they dance. It's nice. It's a slow one. And then he did he it. Off it's a short. And then there we go. He and feels comfortable. There's a connection. Doesn't. And now what happens? So Heather oh, took... Oh, man, I'm going to come for you. Now. Okay, now it's time to get off, and she pulls me back on. Boom. Yeah. She's good. Look at her. Go, daddy -o. So now Heather, I taught her how to dance in here her living room. come, the real dancers. Here they go, all the dancers. Intimidating to him. So I taught her all this stuff in her apartment, in her house. At the time, she lived up Beachwood Canyon, which is right in this neighborhood. Starts a little bit, I try. And now he forgets about him circumstances and just sways in the music. There we go. Such a great way of communicating, mm -hmm. dancing. See, a little slow turn. Yeah, see, we start slow. Oh, God, I, re re I like recognize everybody in the background. I see them every week. Jenna Elfman used to hang in that crowd, too, and dance on Darman Greg. I remember that, too. Juliette Lewis. People would pop up time to time. There we go. Now I'm starting to do my... And then Doug came back and actually shot a lot of this stuff when the band was performing. And the place was sort of slowly opening up as we... Uh... But this sequence here doesn't even do justice to how good of a dancer that Fabs is. Yeah, I'm a bit better than that. <laughs> how important it is it's just raising the stakes on it making a story about nothing have such significance to everybody involved because you do you care so much when it's you oh yeah big dog's gotta eat right big dog gotta eat now huh now 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 mikey learned she did such a good job of this, I thought she really liked me. <laughs> and I sort of realized slowly that she's a great actor. <laughs> there it is. It's a nice throwback to sort of older films. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice moments. Really nice, simple. <laughs> I remember when you did little, this. Benny taking a little bit of comedic liberty. When he did that, I remember like uh, everybody was confused, like why you were doing that. And sure enough, that's the thing. Now nah, I mean, I gave her the dope car. I just made her perfect. She's not an actress. <laughs> She's in Hollywood. She's beautiful. She's funny. You should do it again sometime. I'll be around. That's not gonna be good enough. I want to make plans to see you again. Good for you. Yeah, Mike. I gave her the cool... Oh See, she's stammering a little bit. I mean, yeah. Do you have something to write? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. There we go. What? You're a comedian. Yeah, and an actor. Kind of. Can I come see you sometime? 
If and when I get a real gig, I'll give you a call. I... See, he's being honest. Going too well? <laughs> no, when I, uh, I lived in New York, they made it sound like, uh, they were giving sitcoms out to stand-ups at the airport here, you know. I've been here for six months. All I got to show for it is Black Lung. This is all one, one shot. She laughed a little bit at his joke. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> Didn't you tell me that, that I should be patient with my career? Like this. Yeah, but uh, entertainment law isn't something that you just jump into. Well, neither is acting. I mean, not if you're serious. See, that's funny. I made a lawyer. I ended up with a doctor. That's right. Enjoy it. See, I ended up with somebody who wasn't in the business. With the cigar? Yeah, that's the logo from You Bet Your Life. She gets the logo? <laughs> yeah. Nice touch. You Bet Your Life. You know, not one club owner got that? They all asked me why I have Donald Duck on my card. They're idiots. Yeah. At least it's not goofy. There's the goofy. <laughs> I throw the look. Throwback. She's part of my world. The thing was to make her the mirror image of me, except much hotter. <laughs> but the mirror image that she's going through the same journey I was, getting over the relationship. Oh, my hog right there. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, oh, no, I'm across the street. There's a Harley parked there. That's actually, this was Doug's car, I think. It's a cabriolet or whatever it was. Get the hell out of here. I gave it look super cool. So that was all one take. She's got the club, too. See, she's got the club down there. And a little honk, funny, and a little piano music. And truthful, awkward, you know, not... Awkward, yeah. Mirroring sort of, you know, or contradicting sort of what Trend is selling as sort of a created reality of smooth. Life's real truthful moments are, are a lot more flawed and, and, and thus, I think, a lot more beautiful. Party, buddy! Yeah! Let me go into the smack-ass Trent. <laughs> I like how he doubles up your laugh there. Mariotti yeah. doubles your laugh. <laughs> now this, tell the story about the waitress. When I, I said that to you in real life, the high school girl. Lies. Oh yeah, the high school girl thing's true, but they brought in Victor brought in his his neighbor. He said, "Oh, she's gonna she's gonna put you all in your place in this scene." Oh, that's right. <laughs> the waitress, and she didn't say a word. She, she and that was a lot of that right was improvised. Because all of it. I was trying to. <laughs> this is real shit that he used to do to me. <laughs> We'd be ordering food at a restaurant, and I'd go, "Ow!" And I go, "Fine, I'll ask her." Where are the high school? You know, just to make Fabs uncomfortable. And everybody. Fabs are pretty good at making, you know, doing that stuff back to you, by the way. Yeah, unlike in the movies. <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the movie, by the way. This is the one scene I could watch over and over and over again. And again, it's like you're playing drunk. I think I had one beer when we did this, and you know, because you, you literally can't when you have this much dialogue and stuff. But you no, just, you weren't drunk. The thing is to try to act like you're not drunk. Yeah, you know what, Mike? Honestly, you should probably wait three days. This was another scene where everybody on the set was, like, rolling their eyes. Like, what is he doing? Stick yeah. to the lines. Like, they looked at us like we were the most undisciplined performers in the world. But see, both of us came from an improv background, so I think if you understand it and you're not just... It's, you're serving the scene, it makes see, sense. See, because he's really laughing. This you was can't improv get that. Here, you improv yeah. that shit. Like I'd hand him the food hammered. <laughs> he's laughing. But I can't laugh is the thing because I'm not supposed to be... You know, that's the hard part. And then made also. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> See, and then they all go. The yeah, MTV dance move. Yeah, I did that. Is this a fucking production for you? Because you're grown something. Now, this is when you're looking at the guy. It was Brad rolling his eyes at the end of the bar. Yeah, this is to the crew. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm not eating anything. I wouldn't eat here. I would never eat here anyway. Uh, uh. 
Jesus, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. and a mirror. Uh, really, Jordan. Oh, and, and again with the when he the same shot when he comes in the, and the thing goes bad. With, is again. he going to do it again? I love knock me a kiss, Louis Jordan. I like cake. There's no mistake. But baby, if you insist, I give up cake. Just for your sick baby. Alright, you beat me on the maid one. Let's go. Kiss. Let's go one more time. <laughs> I, I get to go first this time, though. See, I'm already confused. People don't usually do that when you go there. Now, if I go here, you go here. It's gonna, this is going to be a cats game. There it is. He's waking up 12.53. I always thought that that was, that that was funny. He's waking up at 12.53 with hey, the alarm waking him up. You did? Oh, you won. I think Here I we did. We're one for, we got to Make your last one. We got to do another DVD. You won. There's the Groucho uh, logo. I you won. Myself. Vince won. So we're, I, did, I won Made. You won uh, Swingers. Yeah. I got to see the Marshall of Revelation. Who wins. Okay, so here comes Sinatra's shirt. shirt. Oh, yeah, in and out Very popular L.A. spot, very Southern California franchise. So this is, um, so I guess his birthday is what the thirteenth or the. Oh, so no, so today's the um, right. So I'm waiting two days. Right. So I think the eleventh or the twelfth. The twelfth is his. The twelfth is Sinatra's birthday. The Varga Girl calendar. There's a C stand coming and up. And so smart again, not a traditional plot or story following, but. This is Nicole's voice. That's by the right, way. the producer. But the, the importance that was given to the girlfriend getting over—is she going to call? Now the fact he's met someone, but now the phone call came. The audience is is with him totally. Right, they forgot about the girl. He forgot about the girl. Or did he? We're not sure, but we know it's been the whole thing. He at least had a connection with somebody. So, even though you're not waiting to see a big gunfight or, or final showdown or something like that, the uh, fact that he's so invested in it carries over to uh, uh, make you still interested in caring about this reality that's been given so much importance. Thought you met someone else. It doesn't matter. I think See, she's been going through all the shit he's been going through. There's a C stand. See? I miss you, Mike. Why don't you call? I don't know. I mean. It's good, huh? It's, it's good. So simple. And again, the framing and stuff is cool here. You would think. We ended. Up, we reshot this. We reshot a lot of stuff, and then we ended up not using it because it was felt that this wasn't enough of an ending thing, like right. to cover it differently. And then it was always fine. It was fine. That's it, man. No, Simple. Listen, it's a whole other headache, and I don't want to talk about them. I, um, I called because I heard you might be moving back to Queens. Now they have the line rings. The first movie with call waiting and answering machines is like pr prominent aspects of them, part of our culture. Heather was actually in the room at the time. Now listen to the timing of when I hang up on the girlfriend back home. Right in the middle of I love you. Which is perfect story closure. Yeah, listen, I His life has moved on. He's at the line ring. Right well, it's the LA Weekly. It's his last chance to talk to her. Raise the stakes. Pump the stakes through the roof. Uh, I, I have to take the call. So just, uh, I'm going to call you back when you get back into town, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay? She's great, Nicole. Now he's also considered an okay to her. But he's not really, you know. Bye. I love he doesn't even hear it. He Isn't that great? It. I love it. No, 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 he wants to. He's LA. He's all about LA now. The sun's shining. It's daytime. It's bright. But, Todd, I can tell my 
And she sort of in the place where he was. Although at least she didn't wait, call at two thirty in the morning. She did wait yeah, at least in the morning. Him, but she called him. Right she called early, and, and she's explaining herself. And it just shows you if it's right, and, and if, it, if people are sincere, it doesn't fucking matter. None of those rules, and that's the theme of the movie. You got to be yourself. The original screenplay, this was the end, which is a, which is a, a fine ending. But this last scene was something John wrote prior to a shooting. I, I actually was flying back to to see the club stamps. Let's just point that out. The yeah. club stamps on your. Like hand. He was out all night getting smashed. You can see. Um, but I was on the way f to fly home from Chicago to Los Angeles to shoot the movie, and I was at O'Hare Airport. And Doug had wanted another scene between the two of us, right, for the end. To the end. And I was sitting there, and um, there was a guy in the, in the line to get a ticket, and he kept looking and what appeared to be smiling and waving at me and calling me Big Boy. It was a man. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this guy's hitting on me. That's, you know, whatever. I'm not responding. Well, he kept going and going and going. And I thought, this is crazy. Like, I tried to look at him mean. I tried to act like I didn't notice. I tried to act like I had problems. The, whatever I did, this guy would continue on. And finally, he got done with his ticket, and he started to come towards me. And I was like, this guy is so confident and strange with his approach. Here he comes. And he stopped prior to me and picked up a child that was in a seat. And I was like, wow. And I told Favreau that story. And, and uh John incorporated it into a scene. And what I love is this right here. When you do, right there in that moment, you think that we're going to go to the route where we explain the movie. And you think it's going to you know, end in a traditional way where John's going to explain the lesson that he learned. But at that moment, we totally get off that. And we really resolve the movie, what that speech would be in a way of showing something, which is sort of pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz. I love that mess there. That's Maddie Corman. She's talented. Like, see, there we go. Hey, I worked with her on PCU too. And so now here, you know, Trent thinks that his thing is going. And again, the fact that he met a girl last night and that Mike is moving <laughs> on makes Trent vulnerable. So he wants to try to prove he can get the ladies and make Mike need him. He doesn't want to lose his friendship. Versus a speech coming out from from Mike's character saying, "This is what I learned: not to be myself, to be honest, not to wait three days, not to do this. It's not my thing." It just it just yeah it just totally takes the air out of the whole thing. So you see Mike succeed by just being himself and meet, meets another geek just like him, and then then you see him going doing all the rules right, and he is defeated by it's all spoken mirrors by reality. By the mother. And there it is. The power of the mother. She's a mom, and it deals with. There's all sorts of weird mother. So here's Trent, whose everything's gone his way, and now he smoked. Totally. He tries to get back on track. And that says the whole, the whole thing the speech would have said. That look right there <laughs> by Favs. He's got it. So he called her up, right? Vince described it as I'm looking at him like I walked in on him masturbating. That's right. So he can't get like back to he was surprised, it. but he was pleasantly shocked. <laughs> a little Bobby Darren. There we are in the cast credits. Yeah. And it was, uh, but there was, you know, it deals with, what's nice is it's such a simple movie, but it deals with very important issues in a very subtle way. And it's a very responsible movie. And I really, <laughs> really stand behind it. Because people say, is it about picking up women? And is, you know, a lot of interviews, people are like, so what are the rules of meeting women? The real theme of this thing has to do with being yourself and not getting caught up with all that horseshit. And it was funny because it was sort of celebrated after the movie came out in, in a way that it was cool, but really, you know, it was uh, sort of exposing that stuff to be kind of adolescent and a waste of time. Kids who see it, some of them see it as those are like, that's the way it is. And there's truth in it. That is the way it is. I mean, that is the game that goes on. But we were, you know, in the journey of the, a character in the movie is a higher evolved yeah. journey to, to a place that's more enlightened than that.
But we got real lucky. We had the right people, the right places, the right time. You can't make that happen. You know, we just really lucked out that the things that went wrong went wrong and the things that went right went right. There was really a, a real synergy there with everybody. And um, I'm just really proud of this one. Yeah, me too. Thanks, John, for sticking up for me and letting me play the part. <laughs> well, thank you for, for your tremendous performance. Thank you for my career, man. <laughs> thank you for mine. <sighs> Till next time. That's right. Four on fire now. I Goodbye, like this song everybody. too. Good night. See you on down the road. Never saw rainbows in my wine. Now that your lips are burning mine, I'm beginning mm, to see the light.